And now, an Envision Financial podcast with Luke Smith on Canberra's 2CC. It's our favourite financial advisor from Envision Financial, Luke Smith. Good afternoon. How are we? We good? I think we're doing okay. I'm I'm doing okay. How about you? Mate, I'm glad I'm not outside because it looks very, very ordinary. You know, so. for a miserable day, you're looking remarkably cheerful. Well, right? just, Why is that? I was really just having a discussion about that picture and the painting and... <laughs> It was so uh, I gather you're with me. You you don't like the painting. Um, it's not I don't like the painting. I think everybody's perception of art is very different. And for me, I look at something and say... It's not what you said before the mic was switched on. It's... <laughs> yeah, it's... Never yes. mind. Congratulations. I like, I, I like the other one, Main White's self-portrait. Awesome. I think it's a terrific awesome. painter. Yeah, awesome. He, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, um, for yep. whatever reason, we're just the uneducated plebeian masses. We don't yep. understand art. And I think that's uh, that's the nice thing about art, isn't it? It's what you see and how you <laughs> interpret it. And I think your measure a little bit earlier was great. Would I hang it in my lounge room? Yes, exactly. So I think that's and a great And yes, measure. I would. With yeah. Main White's painting, I would yeah. hang that in my lounge room with pride. I'd say yeah. that's a fantastic painting. Yeah, it's it really it's a cracker. Is. Yeah. It's a great painting okay. anyway we're here to talk about money which is yes. uh, something you need if you want to buy expensive works, uh, works mm. of art you need to have some money and in order to have some money you need to learn how to save it and to manage it don't you correct indeed so that's what we're here to do today informed decisions in, exactly now we've got a couple <laughs> of things to talk about here today first of all yep. we're to- the, our topic of the day is what's the difference between super and pension phases but yep. you also want to look at some uh uh, changes to, I think, the rules of uh, well, managed funds. Uh, what's going on there? It's, it's more just, I guess, raising the discussion that we've had on many occasions. And in a previous episode, I said I didn't know what balanced meant. And a lot of people come in and they sort of say to me, well, how do you not know what balance means if you've been doing this for 20 years? Mm-hmm. Because the perception of what balance means and the explanation can be fairly broad. It's a bit like saying, Oh, he's overweight. Well, relevant to what? Yeah, exactly. You know. Or I like the color blue, but which which which, blue? which shade of blue? Or if you paint your house, I'm going to get a white, and yeah. that's a discussion you just don't <laughs> want to get into. Yes. And I think it's really important that it's coming to light now because in the article we're referring to here, ASIC has now gone back to a number of the fund managers around the country because the term balanced when they looked at their underlying investments was actually far more aggressive than the label depicted. Mm-hmm. And we've discussed in, in, in many a show about looking under the hood and saying, if yeah. I'm in a super fund and it's the balanced option, what does that actually mean? Well, because from one fund to another fund, uh, the uh, the mix of investments in those funds might be totally different. Uh, it, it 100%. Just, it, they'll say it's balanced, but it's yep. totally different from another fund, which also says it's balanced. That's exactly right. And I think the important thing people need to keep in mind is generally they look at two key things when they're comparing performance well, or, or the value. They look at the performance of the fund and they look at the cost of the fund. Yes. And if you're looking at two balanced funds, and I use the analogy in the office regularly, if I've got a Commodore and you've got a Commodore and you're going down the parkway doing 140 kilometres an hour and I'm doing 100 kilometres an hour and we're in the same car, how can they be the same? Mm-hmm. So balanced doesn't necessarily mean balanced in another environment, as you as you just said. And I just think you know it's important to bring to the attention of people regularly. Look under the hood, see what you're actually holding. Because in times of good I'm, markets... I'm just working at that car analogy. So they're both Commodores. They've got yep. the same label on the boot lid, yep. but they're being driven differently. Correct. There you go. And that's the analogy of different risk profiles. Okay. If I've got 85% growth assets against 50% growth assets, it's not appropriate to say that they're the same 
because they're not, no. just because the badge on the boot lid's the same. Okay. So you've got to look under the hood, check it out. Um, and I thought it was just a really interesting article because we've been talking about it a fair bit of late and now ASIC are actually starting to investigate. So what are they actually doing? Are they they're going to make some sort of official definition? Well, they're, they're now looking to try and get people to use more appropriate language that is more in line with the underlying nature of the investments. So if they're going to talk about balance, I think they may need to come out and quantify the percentage range potentially yeah. of how much you'll allow to have in that space before it ceases to be balanced. Okay. So I think it's it's just important that people always look and, and, and see what's there because we have a lot of people come in and go, well, I could go to this fund and it, it's performed like this. Okay, but if it's driving at 140 and you think it's doing 100, in good times, that's great. Yeah. In the middle of COVID, when your values come off more than expected, yeah. then you need to be mindful of what you're actually holding and, and understand that as part of your broader investment philosophy so you have that element of comfort at all times. Marvellous. Now, on to today's main theme. What's the difference between super and pension phases? Mm. Well, obviously, uh, super does change over your working life and uh, while you're working, money comes in. Yep. Uh, and then when it's time to retire, it's time to start taking money out. Correct. And I, I think it's it's important to talk about that because through the COVID period, we've had a number of people come in and go, I'm going to retire now because I've had enough or I'm going to continue working or I'll go back to work and, and all those different manifestations. The important thing about superannuation is to understand the two stages that it goes through. In accumulation phase, we've got money coming in. So we're making contributions. We are receiving income and, and, and payments from various sources. You have to meet a certain age to be able to take it out. And that's called your Commonwealth Preservation Age. And depending on the year you're born, it could be between 55 and 60. Mm -hmm. In accumulation phase, the earnings inside the fund are taxed at a maximum rate of 15%. Okay, that's very important because you pay contributions tax for some money that goes into super. You pay 15% tax on earnings, less franking credits and other deductions. And in the franking environment, that's very important for a lot of people that traditionally held bank stocks and things of that nature because in a superannuation, in accumulation phase, the franking credits help to mitigate or reduce the tax payable within the fund and you pay capital gains tax in accumulation phase on the growth of an asset that you may sell. So, for example, you paid $50 for CBA shares, you sold them at $100, you pay tax at a rate of 10% where the asset is held for more than 12 months in accumulation phase. So that side of your wealth accumulation is going in, building up, paying some tax along the way. And I find there's a, a fairly large disconnection or some confusion potentially when people actually do retire. They look at me and say, okay, so I, I pull it all out now. Is it How do I, how do, I do this retirement thing mm -hmm. and get the money out that I've spent a lot of time accumulating? And that's when we move from accumulation phase to pension phase. Now, the underlying assets are not affected. So you don't need to sell anything. You don't need to move anything. You don't need to make any wholesale changes. Okay. And you don't take a massive payout and then put it into a brand new investment. Exactly right. All we do is we take off the accumulation hat and we put on a pension hat. Okay. And if we think about the attributes of the accumulation phase, when we move to pension, they're a little bit more advantageous. And what I mean by that is 
once you've made a condition of release, you have to meet the condition of release to move to pension phase. And if you're under the age of 60, you have to make a declaration that says, I do not intend to work more than 10 hours a week. Now, I stress the word intend. If you're over the age of 60, you can just cease one form of gainful employment and you've met that condition of release under the legislation that lets you then access your benefits. Right. So when we move into pension phase, the other misconception I find regularly is I have to get it fortnightly because people think about a defined benefit pension or Centrelink. I find that people hear the word pension and think fortnightly or monthly. Yes, of course. Which, in actual fact, isn't the case. No. You could take a pension once a year. You could take a pension every week. You could take a pension every fortnight. You could take a pension every quarter, half year, or anywhere along that 12 months of the financial year. You can take your income and your earnings out as a pension to suit the way you want to live and do the things you want to do, provided that it's allowed by the fund that you're in. But I'm stressing here that a pension does not mean automatically fortnightly or monthly payments. It's anything you need to do to fund the way you want to live. And the nice thing about that is if you're over 60, it comes out tax-free. The other Thanks big, to Peter Costello. That's right. Yeah. The other big benefit of being in pension phase is with accumulation, when we're putting it in, we said that everything inside the fund, whatever it earns, pays tax at 15%. Yes. Well, in an account-based pension, you pay zero. So we've got the same assets that we've been paying 15% tax on over yeah. our working life. We now put the pension hat on and say, hey, instead of putting it in, we'd like to take some out. Yes. And we turn the tax rate from 15% to zero. Wow. It's pretty handy. It is. And that's why super is a wonderfully flexible structure that allows you to fund retirement with the assets that you've accumulated over your working life. Super is not risky. It's just a structure to hold investments. The underlying investments that you hold then determine the amount of risk that you want to take on or for the use of the analogy from before, how fast do you want to drive the car? Yeah. Um, so I find that if we can break down those two points of separation, it's really there to provide some clarity for the listeners around, well, how do we actually do this retirement thing yeah. and how do we draw the money out? You meet a condition of release, you make a declaration to your fund, you change the tax status from 15% to zero where you maintain an account-based pension and in brackets, you're under the transfer balance cap, which is 1.6 million. And you take money out in, in, a, in, a, in a way that suits the way you want to live and meets your lifestyle requirements. That is very, very advantageous. Now, the other change or caveat that we have between accumulation and pension is that you must take a minimum amount during the financial year, depending on your age, Mm -hmm. that is set by the government. Right. So if you're between 55 and 65 in a non-COVID environment, that's 4%. 4% of what? The, the total amount? The, the account balance. Okay. Either on the first day of the year, of the financial year, which is 1st of July, or when you start the pension during the year because you can start them any time uh, depending on when you've met the condition of release. So you need to draw the minimum for your age. So up to 65, 4%. Now, during COVID... What the government has said is a lot of people don't want to be pulling out any more than they need. Yes. They'd like to see their values improve. Yes. So the government has halved the minimums to try and allow people to take out less so they have more of their money invested for longer so that we can see the value of that account improve 
And I think it's a very prudent thing to do. And a similar thing was done in the GFC in 08 and 09. Yeah. All right. So um, uh, just putting aside the COVID uh, special provisions for the moment, uh, if you if you you know don't want to take out 4%, but the government says you have to, mm-hmm. are you able to take that 4% out and then put some back in sneakily? Well, and here's where we start to now manipulate our strategies to get the outcome that we're after. If you don't want to take the minimum, then you need to weigh up, okay, well, I'll stay in accumulation and I'll just make lump sum withdrawals to meet what I need. If I start a pension, I get that tax-free status, mm-hmm. but what if I don't need the money? Right. So now you're weighing up tax-free inside the fund and taking some out against not starting a pension and paying 15% and just making some lump sum withdrawals. And that's where we start to finesse the strategies around your living costs, what you need, are you working? And to your point, as I said earlier with the, the pension structure, if you took a pension out on the 1st of June, met your minimum requirements, and then on the 1st of July, put that money straight back into superannuation, you're well within your rights to do that. Okay. So it sounds shifty, but it's not. Yeah, well, look, it's about <laughs> bending, not breaking. I think that's probably a better way of looking at it. Now... To put money into superannuation, you need to be under the age of 65 to not meet a work test. Yeah. If you're over 65, you need to meet a work test and do 40 hours in 30 days. Okay. So you could pull the money out because you don't need it during the year. You've met your minimum and then you could put it back into superannuation. Now, here's where you need to get it right. Once you start a pension, you can't add to its capital value without ah. moving it back to accumulation phase. Right. So you generally find that people may run two accounts. They've had all of the money they've been accumulating in super over their working life and then they decide to put their pension hat on and start that income stream to meet whatever their living costs are in addition to other sources of income like part-time work, trusts, rental properties, whatever else you may have going on. If you pull that money out, a lot of clients will have a second, just a little super fund account there that will have a few dollars in it because they need somewhere to put either their contributions back in or employer contributions if you're working part-time or somewhere to make a deductible contribution if you want to offset your tax, et cetera, et cetera. So we've got to get the foundation right and understand we accumulate our superannuation, we pay tax along the way, we pay capital gains tax on our trades that 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 we facilitate during the financial year. And then when we decide to take the money out, nothing really changes other than the designation of the account and the rules around having to take out that minimum requirement. And there is nothing to say that you can't take it all out in 12 months, but people generally want to be able to use that for as long as possible oh, yes. and see it grow over time and get through COVID and, and get back to a normalised environment where earnings are a little bit stronger. And that's then a function of the risk that you're willing to take on or the speed of the car that you're going to drive as to how much Australian shares you maintain, how much international allocation you have, how much property you maintain, and however you decide to invest your money in line with how you feel towards risk. So we accumulate it, then we take a pension. The underlying assets don't need to change. We just need to meet a condition of release to go from money in to money out, and we need to meet the minimum requirement once we put that pension hat on to maintain the tax-free status within the pension account itself. So, Luke, what should people consider when they're thinking about their phases and what phase they should be in? Well, I think the important thing to consider here is 
what they're trying to achieve. If you've been accumulating over your working life and you're thinking about then starting a pension, look to try and maximise your deductible contributions to get up to $25,000 in with your employer payments and your own money because that'll help you on a, from a tax perspective. Think about using the non-concessional rules, which is allowing $100,000 a year or $300,000 in a, in a single transaction. Consider downsizer. If you're going to sell your family home and want to get some additional money into super before you start a pension and make everything tax-free, the downsizer legislation where you can put in up to $300,000 each in a couple is really handy when you're looking to try and maximise the base from which an income stream can be funded in relation to the pension. Look at how your investments are structured. You know, we talked earlier about risk and the speed of the car. Understand how you feel because in good times, it's great. In bad times, not so much. And I find people really get frustrated if they're maintaining assets that are outside of what they understood because we know balanced doesn't really mean balanced anymore. No, it uh, could mean any damn thing at <laughs> exactly all. Exactly right. Uh, look at the use of franking it, credits. It could mean a speeding Commodore at 140 kilometres per it hour. Could. It, it could. Um, look at the franking credits and, and the use of franking credits inside your accounts because whether it's accumulation or pension, in the accumulation phase it can help to reduce or mitigate tax payable. And within the pension phase, they're really useful because surplus franking credits are refunded. And as we said before the break, if the tax profile of your pension is zero and you have $5,000 of franking credits that you haven't had to pay any tax on, the ATO will give you a check when you lodge your tax return of the super fund for $5,000. So franking credits are very, very powerful and should be maximised especially in pension phase, to try and underpin the ongoing income stream of your broader portfolio. So there's some things that people can consider because what you need and how you get what you need is just as important as the outcome that you need. All righty. So, <laughs> yeah, well, that's all right. I'm trying to remember all of this for future reference, you know. Um, it's it's a complicated topic. Mm. Uh, but, uh, the you know, the simple thing is you're accumulating while you're working yep. and then when it's time to retire, you move to the pension phase. Uh, but uh, there's some little tricks along the way to make sure you get the most out of it. Yeah, and I think you touched on, you know, before the ad break, a great idea. Take your, your pension payment out put it straight back in and continue to grow your super. No one says you can't. You just need to meet certain rules at certain ages to be able to do that. But it's a great strategy to maximise the longevity of, of the money that you've got working for you. Fantastic. So if we want to know more about our superannuation fund, whether it's in the accumulation phase or the pension phase, or if we want to know anything about any kind of financial advice mm -hmm. at all, what should we do? Yep, 6260-4749. Come in, sit down, have a chat and just see where things are at and if you want to help us you know well, we can help you look under the hood and see how fast the car's actually going um <laughs> i find that's very useful because people are very often very surprised envisionfinancial.com.au we've got the resource center there you can go in and join for free and use all of the the tools calculators and and information we have there we've got the podcast the strategy stacker luke talks money on itunes and spotify and we've got the youtube channel Envision Financial Canberra. So if you subscribe to that, you'll get the show every week and you can pause, write down the key points. We break down some of the additional content there and, and you can subscribe and, and, and keep up to date with what we're doing. And it's that YouTube channel, which is the reason why you've brought in three cameras today. Yeah, we thought we'd get an extra, an extra, an extra one of you this week Hi. just to try and widen, widen the view. Um, but next week, next month, we have the... Um, 
Ask an Expert series, so we'll have some some special guests in and we'll talking about what we're going to even more gonna cameras, cameras everywhere. Correct, indeed. And if you do watch the YouTube episode yep. that we've recorded today, you'll see that sitting here in a radio studio, when Luke said about taking off one hat and putting on another, he actually acted it out. That's it, just in case. <laughs> just in case. Forgot we we're on radio, <laughs> but that's why we've got the cameras. Luke, thanks very much. We'll catch you again next Friday. Beautiful. See you Friday.